are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome back to the Batflip Podcast. Uh, this is episode number 41, coming to you on June 22nd here on Tuesday, and um, just a uh, exciting week of baseball, some big news this week, big call-up tonight, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about some... Uh, you know, with with the trade trade season approaching, some teams that are buyers, sellers, some teams that you know these next few weeks are going to determine a lot of things. But uh, before all this, um, I want to talk to bring in Damien and uh, how are you doing this week? I've, well, I kind of know because I've seen you this week. Yeah, it was a very fun week. Just got back from Nashville actually late last night. Went there for the the NASCAR weekend, as you know. Kind of met up with you and a bunch of our other buddies, and you know, we finally our first face to face meeting after yeah. we uh, we started this podcast and stuff. So it's been a been a pretty good week. It was some awesome racing back there, but uh, you know, it's tough when you're back there for something like that. You're you're not paying too much attention to baseball, but like you said, a major call up this week and and trade season's approaching. So let's uh let's dive into you know what's been happening. Yeah, just a quick story. It was funny. We were watching a, we were at a out in Broadway in Nashville on on Saturday night, and uh, after the Xfinity race, and we were watching uh, we were watching the the Dodgers game, and I kept having to give Damien my phone so he could watch the Dodgers yeah, game. I thought that was funny, but because well, at the time Walker Bueller was throwing no hitter, and then I didn't have yeah. any signal, so you kept having to give me yeah. the dang phones so I can try and keep it's up funny, with it. But... Uh, there's not too many. There's not too many people who are, uh, you know, like the two of us that are down in Broadway in Nashville, worried about the baseball game, watching it on our phones while yeah. we're at, like Stand- loud bar in there. <laughs> yeah, standing at a bar with country music and stuff all over the place, and we're sitting here watching a phone or watching a baseball game on a dang phone. <laughs> so, but anyways, well, you know, the the major call up we had, we 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 hinted on it a little bit, but that's the number one overall prospect in baseball. Um, Wander Franco got called up by the Tampa Bay Rays. He's a 20-year-old, uh, signed back in 2017 for $3.825 million. At the time, was the top-ranked international player, um, and he just did nothing but exceed at every level. Um, you know, he's he's projected an 80 hit tool, which is the best you can get, you know, on the 2080 scale. Um, projected 60 power, 55 raw power, 60 speed, 55 fielding. Basically, the the whole package all the way around. This guy is he's on track to you know if if he lives up to this to be one of the best players that we've seen. Yeah, this guy is, you know, he's as good as it gets as a prospect. Um, he's he's got he's a switch hitter. He's got a great swing from both sides of the plate. He he's very 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 disciplined. Has very quick hands. A lightning fast bat. Uh, doesn't swing and miss. In, in his career, these are just some minor league numbers for you here. Um, in his career, he's he's got in in AAA this year. His worst plate discipline of his career has been in AAA this year, where he has a seven percent walk rate and a twelve percent strikeout rate. So, if you have a twelve percent strikeout rate in your first thirty nine games of AAA, and you still have a one forty eight WRC plus and a you know nine hundred OPS. Then and that and people are wondering why you aren't having better plate discipline. Then that shows you how good he is. But in, in his you know in his career so far in high A 2019, you know only struck struck out seven under seven percent of the time, walked twelve percent. I mean this guy he's got the power. Um, you know a lot of scouts think his power is going to play up just because he's going to 
hit the ball so much because of his plate discipline. Um, and then, um, you know, he's a guy who's, who's possibly going to stick at shortstop. Um, you know, even if he doesn't, you know, he can easily play a, an elite third base or, or second base. Um, there is a possibility that the, that the Rays move him away from shortstop. I believe, I don't know which position he was playing tonight. He's playing third. He's playing third because yeah. they do have uh, Taylor Walls, who is another top 100 prospect that recently got called up, who's value is tied up in his glove so it makes sense that he would be the shortstop as being the you know elite defensive player then Wander Franco being a very good defensive player would switch off to third or to second but he could easily man those spots got a good arm and and everything uh but uh Fangraphs puts him at an 80 future value on the 2080 scale which I've never seen before so um I think this is a guy who um is is a likely you know perennial all-star possible you know perennial MVP candidate, but uh, where would you, you know, there's been a lot of hype about Wander Franco f- and, and ever since he was signed out of the, out of, out of the Caribbean, but even more hype recently, uh, where, where do you think his, his debut here ranks, you know, when you compare it to some of the big debuts in the past, you got, you know, you had the big debut of Jason Hayward, who was a, who hit a home run his first at bat. You had the big debuts of Ronald Acuna Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, you know, some of these guys that came up as number one prospects, Steven Strasburg uh, back in, which of course is he had a pitcher is a little different. Bryce Harper, some of these just super elite hyped debuts. What, what, what do you think of that? Where, where do you think he ranks? Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to tell where you're going to be able to, to rank Franco because he hadn't played above a ball until this year. And he played those 39 games at AAA. We had a little bit more of a sample size with, with all the other guys. Yeah. But if you listen to what scouts say, you know, and, and more oftentimes I, I trust what the scouts are saying more than, you know, what I can look up stats at double a or whatever. But some of these guys are saying that, you know, he's, he's way better than Vladimir Guerrero jr. And, and when the time Vlad was coming up, he was supposed to be the best player that people had saw in a long, long time. Um, you know, and then one's saying that, he, this guy basically he doesn't even seem like he's human for you know the success he has at the plate on the field just in general and, and the type of guy he is like to say that he is 20 years old they're talking that he is he already acts like a you know a veteran a mature veteran he's always one of the first guys there last guys that I know it's very cliche but it's what they're there everything you see about Franco is just rave reviews and I mean, he hit a homer tonight in his debut. Spoiler alert. Sorry if you guys didn't know that. But, I mean, he had three really good at-bats. The first one, he was down 0-2, came back and walked. Um, the next one, I think he got down 0-2 again and bat- battled back, hit a deep fly out to center field, and then he hit that massive home run. Um, so just, just by he, the – He just got another hit. Did he? Yeah, well, there he just got another now. hit. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to be really fun to watch him grow, and I think it's it's awesome because we're going to be able to see his growth, you know, for twenty years possibly. I mean, the guy's still so dang young, and and you know, like you said, I have never seen a Fangraphs future value of an eighty. Yeah, and, and it, it the thing that's crazy to me about him too is that you know some of the things you you, you think about him. You know, you look at his numbers in the minors and what scouts have said and everything. They're, they're, you know, you're thinking of maybe like a Vlad Jr. that can play defense. I mean, mm-hmm. you're thinking maybe of a Fernando Tatis Jr. that doesn't strike out. 
I mean, this is the kind of stuff. The, this is right. this is the kind of prospect that you know you don't see come along very often. And um, you know we'll um, you know we'll keep an eye on him. Um, obviously, his hype is going to just ex- you know explode even more after tonight. His first you know exposure in the big leagues, get, going two for three with a homer and a walk. Um, you know, at least, I mean, the game's still going on, so I guess you could end up seeing him do more, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where we'll see how he handles it. We had guys like some of those guys struggled a little bit when they, when they came up, they might've had a couple big games at the beginning and then they kind of fell off a little bit, started to figure things out later on guy like, like uh, Vlad jr. And, but, um, you know, I don't think there's going to be too much patience with wonder Franco after the night he's had tonight. Um, we'll see what happens. I think he's definitely a guy who, um, you know, he's exciting and it's exciting to see him come up. And um, I think it'll be a fun player to watch on the Rays uh, it, who are already a pretty good team. Yeah, it really will be. And the I think one of the major things that Franco has above, you know, really the any of the other guys we've seen is, is that plate discipline. He is, he already at 20 years old already has such a good eye and understanding of, you know, the strike zone and stuff. I believe there, I, I was reading one of the things an article on him that said he had swung a hundred and fifty something times at pitches and didn't miss one time. Yeah. Um, like in the minors that that's just, it's uncalled for, especially for somebody so young. Yeah. So, so it, it, it really, the only prospect that I can remember in the past four or five years that, that had that level of discipline is, is Vlad jr. But if Vlad jr. Has his other issues, base running defense, right. um, you know, he could put up similar, they could put up very similar offensive numbers with, throughout their careers. But, you know, you look at Wander Franco as a guy who's athletic is going to steal some bases and he's a, and he's and he's going to play really good defense on the infield at a, at a, it might not be at shortstop because of, because of, you know, the Rays needs and, you know, because of his, you know, abilities and, and everything at, at other positions. But, you know, if it's at second or at third, either way or short, he's going to play a really good defense at a, at a good defensive, at a tough defensive position, which is very, very important. Um, so this is this is a huge deal. This is a potential, you know, future MVP type guy. Um, it's rare to see a talent like this come up. And we hope that he's number one, stays healthy. Yeah. Uh, for his career, and, and number two, you know, I think it'll be fun to watch this guy succeed. I think he's going to be a really fun player. So, yeah, I know it's going out on a limb, but this could be a guy that we're talking about might be a future, you know, Mike Trout type esque player yeah, if he can live up to the hype. And and you know, at the time, Mike Trout wasn't what Mike we thought Mike Trout is now. But you know, if we can kind of grasp that a little bit earlier, maybe find that Wander Franco yeah. and it, it appreciate it. It's what I'm trying to say. It, especially so young. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be fun to watch. And, and of course this is a guy who's going to get, he's going to get opportunities to, you know, potentially play in the postseason and stuff early in his career too. So yeah. uh, this is a guy who, you know, we've had that, that issue with Mike Trout as it's been hard to market Mike Trout because he's, his team's been bad, mm-hmm. but this Wander Franco might be a guy who on a pretty good team could end up, you could end up seeing him some in the, in the postseason here in the next year or two so it'll be interesting to see uh don't want to go on too much about one player as we have a lot of a lot of guys to talk about today but um but it's very um you know it's very exciting to see him come up and uh, i can't wait to see what he does absolutely well the next thing we wanted to, to hit on was you know we've talked a lot about you know teams have been struggling teams who've been succeeding and, and that but 
what we're really starting to come into is trade season's about a month away. The trade deadline is on July 31st, um, and you start seeing, especially the teams that are, are kind of borderline, sometimes they make moves early to try and go one way or the other. And, you know, wanted to kind of hit on who we thought the buyers are right now, who the sellers are, who are some teams that maybe to watch for in this next month and see if they succeed or if they don't that can really tip which way they go and, and if they're going to buy or if they're going to sell some pieces off. Um, you know, the first set of buyers that we really had were, were the two New York teams, the Yankees and the Mets. Um, you know, the Yankees could use some outfield help, a bat, um, really center field, really. Um, the Mets, they could use rotation. You know, Stroman left early today. Carrasco's been out all year. Syndergaard's, you know, been held back a couple times from his – um, rehab from Tommy John. DeGrom's been in and out even with different, you know, a shoulder, a hip. Um, I believe, I don't think he's had an elbow. There was a third one. I'm not sure what it was. But, you know, he's been battling a little bit and they're still really good. But right now, the, the two New York teams are, are kind of our first two buyers. Yeah. So th- when we talk about these buyers, I think to, just to clarify here, uh, these buyers that we're looking at are teams that, you know, there's going to be other buyers. Obviously, like, I think you look at, like, the White Sox are going to be a team that wants to add to their, their thing. The Dodgers are going to be there, you know, in first place, the Padres. But these are teams that I think have either glaring needs or teams that we kind of know what, what they need. Because a lot of those other teams were kind of like, well, they could add something because they're really good, but it might be bullpen arms or something where, you know, kind of everyone wants to add bullpen arms. It's remotely in, in contention, but um, these teams, the, the Mets, you know, I think you hit it perfectly, pitchers, um, you know, all those guys being out, and, I mean, you're having to run out David Peterson, who's not very good, you know, Jared Eikhoff pitched last night for them. Um, well, they lost Luke Casey, too. Luke Casey's out, yeah, so, I mean, they, they've got a lot of guys that are that are banged up, and then, you know, Giselleman went down the other day. Uh, Marcus Stroman left tonight's game with a hip issue um, that, you know, didn't look great. He kind of winced after a pitch and he tried to give it a go and he was wincing the whole time. Didn't look, didn't look good. He might miss. I hope it's, it, it doesn't appear to be some long-term issue, but um, like you said, Jagram's been in and out a little bit with some, some nagging little things trying to keep him healthy, but uh, they're a team that, you know, really could, could use some help. I mean, they could use help in the outfield as well. Um, you know, they're they're missing a couple guys, but I mean, they've been starting Kevin Pilar, uh, Billy uh, Billy McKinney, uh, Albert Almora. That's their starting outfield tonight. So um, they definitely could add something there. Although they do have a couple guys like like Michael Conforto coming back soon. Um, and then the Yankees, uh, they just need the starting pitcher. Kluber's out now. Um, you know, I think that. They've got a couple guys who are pitching well. Uh, one of the additions that could come in for the Yankees could actually be if, if Luis Severino is able to pitch, come back healthily. Um, is healthily a word? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, he, um, you know, they could use that. But they, I think they could probably add a starting pitcher. Um, and then the other teams, the Brewers, this is a team that's currently in first place or tied for first place maybe. Uh, are they – they are currently uh, tied. tied with the Cubs. So this is a team that obviously is up there. They've got two of the better pitchers in the game, um, but their offense stinks. So they need to add some offense. Um, and, uh, you know, they kind of need just need a bat, any bat. I mean, you're probably not going to pull Yelich out of your lineup, but that's really the only guy that, 
is untouchable in their lineup right now. And Yelich hadn't even been all that good. So uh, I think you look at Houston, maybe I add a starting pitcher to give some depth in that rotation. Um, they're a team that I think could use the, the, the elite reliever. I don't know what kind of elite reliever might get traded, but you know, they're a team that can maybe use that top, the top reliever on the market type deal. Uh, and then the Cubs need starting pitching. They've had Davies has been bad. Um, Arietta has been bad. Um, they've, they've had a great, great outings from their bullpen. They've had really good um, offensive production as of late. And they just, they need some, they need some pitching, starting pitching badly. So uh, I think those are kind of our five buyers there. Yeah. That, that you hit on the nail on every one of those. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if the Brewers tried to add another starter, maybe not a, maybe not a top of the rotation guy, but but maybe a guy like Kyle Gibson from the Rangers, who's yeah. a, kind of an under the radar type guy who can come in and and be really solid. Maybe that third to fourth guy. I mean, Freddie Peralta has been really good, but you know, sometimes in these series you need four starters. You do need so. four. If, if if the Brewers are going to make it past the, well, I mean, even in the division series, it's usually a good thing to have four. But because um, you don't want to pitch guys on three days rest too much. But yeah. um, you know, I think you definitely look at. Uh, look at the brewer and and uh, you know some of this is also going to depend on you know what kind of prospect capital or, or what, what kind of guys can these can these teams trade i mean if you look at the cubs they could honestly flip a couple of the guys they got in, in a couple of their offseason trades like the u darvish trade um now that they look like they're really are in contention this year um you know you look at houston you know who do they have to trade you can maybe look at you know if they go for that reliever um, you know, Forrest Whitley sit down there and he's had his injury concerns, but he's still a guy that a lot of people believe in his talent. So you might have a guy you could, tr- you could move there. The Brewers, it's hard to say, you know, they might be a team that needs to package a lot. Um, yeah. you know, you look at, uh, the Yankees have some good pieces. They could out, they could honestly add an elite guy if they, if, if one is available somewhere. I mean, they have enough prospect capital for that. The Mets, They've got some good prospects, um, but they got some. They got a couple top prospects, and then they have a couple of, uh, you know, that they could move. But it's going to be a, It might be hard to match up something without moving one of your top guys. So it's interesting Absolutely. to look at this though, um, and we'll see what happens with these buyers. Yeah. So to mention, you know, those are the buyers. Some of the sellers that we think, um, you know, have some pieces that they could actually deal off. The Minnesota Twins, um, they're a team we thought was going to be, you know, top of the division. I think we both picked them to win the division, actually. But, um, you know, they're going to have some bullpen arms. Taylor Rogers is one who will be a hot commodity, a very good left-handed pitcher. Um, I don't think, I mean, they might be able to get something for Colomay or Hansel Robles. I mean, those guys aren't going to be major deals. But Nelson Cruz is another one that you could see a team – it might be limited to the American League. Maybe, maybe that's a guy. I mean, not that it's a great option, but maybe that's a guy that the Astros get and they kind of take bite the bullet and say, "All right, one of you guys played left field um, because we need the bat big enough or, or, or something like that." Yeah. I mean, Jordan's had his own issues with the knee, but I mean, if you're putting him in the left field with the Crawford boxes right there, I mean, they're going to make up for it on the uh, you know on the offensive side of the ball, maybe. But yeah. Cruz isn't gonna play in the field, so if you maybe you add, you know, Cruz and put and put him in the outfield, but yeah, um, um, that that could be an option for them. For yeah, sure. so that that was a couple options from the Twins. Um, the Diamondbacks are another team. You know, you got us Drupal Cabrera, as Eduardo Escobar, who's having a really good season. 
Um, David Peralta is a guy who has been, you know, a Diamondback forever that they might, he's in his, I believe he's in his contract year, so they might trade him. A name I don't really see him dealing, but there's been rumors that he might be is Cattell Marte. Um, just hard thinking that they have like under control for like four more years or something, four and a half years. Um, but he's really good. I mean, maybe a team like the Yankees, because he can play center field, they'll have him. Maybe they give up some big prospects for him or something. Um, yeah, yeah. With the, with that that deal, looking at you know, obviously we were talking before, and you didn't think they'd trade Marte, and I thought it might be a good idea. I feel like that the Diamondbacks are a team that is several years away from contention again. They had a little run there where they were pretty good, but they they really don't have any you know, future star talent at the close to the major league level right now or, or really enough. And I don't think their money situation is going to be in the position to where they could just add a ton of guys through free agency, like maybe the Padres have done the last few years. So I think they're a team that really is going deep into a rebuild. And, um, you know, sometimes parting ways with a guy like Marte, who's got all this team control for cheap, can be a good thing because, I mean, he's going to be a guy that has so much trade value because of that. And, you could get a fortune in prospects for him. So um, hopefully, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they if they do pull the trigger on that move. Absolutely. Uh, well, same division. Um, the Colorado Rockies are another team that they should be just trading pieces off. Trevor Story being the big one. Um, you know, they have a couple other guys. CJ Crones, maybe somebody, somebody they could trade. Um, Herman Marquez, John Gray. Michael Givens. I mean, they have a, a Charlie bunch of Blackman pieces. Too. I I guess they could trade Blackman. Yeah. Um, pieces that would be you know very valuable to to teams on on shorter deals and stuff. But the the big one is it was is Trevor Story, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I did see something interesting today that's saying that you know it, the Rockies might actually hold on to him because the past couple of years we've seen the value for rental players not being as great as you know what we think it was or what it used to be and especially with the big shortstop market coming up you know it might be even dampened a little bit more for that market um, for Trevor Story and that the qualifying offer and the higher draft pick might be more valuable to them because they can make their own pick of their own guy at whatever age um, for him so that'll be something interesting to pretty watch or to watch out for um, you know with the Rockies and Trevor Story. But another team too is is the Detroit Tigers. They, you know, we've talked a lot of the times that they needed just to find pieces that can, you know, be around for the long haul. And and they have quite a bit of interesting people: Matthew Boyd, Michael Fulmer, um, Jonathan Scope. I mean, maybe Robbie Grossman's another name you mentioned. But um, those are are really our four core sellers that we have on you know, on our mind right now. Yeah, and you know, you look at those guys and. Um... The Rockies. I, that, I thought that's interesting on the story thing. I hadn't heard that, and uh, I don't. I don't know what I think of that. I don't. You know, I feel like if you're the Rockies, regardless, Story's not going to resign there. I mean, unless they, you know, I don't know why he would. At least, I mean, there, there's no way they're going to contend anytime soon. No, and, there's been rumors that he's wanted out. Yeah, so I, I'll be very surprised. I, I don't know why. I don't know why the Rockies, if he wants out, you you can get a better pl- player by trading him than you're going to get in the second or in the qualifying offer round of the draft. I mean, it's not like you're going to get a the top guy, uh, you know, a, a top first rounder in the draft. You might get a decent top 30 prospect 
you know, in the, in that qualifying offer round or, or even a, you know, or in the compensation round or, or maybe like a top, you know, probably top 15 in your organization prospect. So I feel like it'd be hard for the Rockies to, you know, not get anything more than that for story. I, I feel like you'd have to, but some of these other guys, I mean, I think Herman Marquez might even have the most value because he's got some control and he's a good pitcher and people don't pay enough attention to the fact that he's good. Cause, cause for one thing, it's hard to pitch in Colorado. Um, but he still put up good numbers. So I think that's a, a pitcher that could get out of Colorado, go somewhere and really, really, you know, succeed somewhere else. Um, but we'll see what happens with him. Um, one other team that I kind of put on here that maybe doesn't have a ton of pieces to move, but the Royals, I don't really think they have a chance in their division. I know they're in third place, but they're 10 games out of first, eight games out of second. You know, they're not going to make the wild card. It would take an epic collapse from the White Sox or Indians. And, and they're also a team that's in rebuild mode. But I just, we couldn't, we were sitting here trying to figure it out. We can't really think of too many pieces for them to trade because really the most of their good production has come from young guys that they're not going to move. Guys like, you know, uh, Brady Singer, guy like, um, <clears throat> um, like uh, Adalberto Mondesi is a guy they're not going to trade. They're probably not going to trade out Salvador Perez ever. So, you know, you look at that and then we thought maybe Danny Duffy or Carlos Santana would be options. Um, Apparently they don't want to trade Ben and Tendi, which I mean, I don't, I probably would think about doing that, but you know, I'm not the Royals. <laughs> right. A lot of team, that, that's one thing about the Royals. You really don't know what they're going to do. Cause they do think much differently from other teams. They, they really do pull a kind of a classic, you know, a throwback style of, we're going to stick with our organizational guys management. Yeah. They, they really seem to, um, they try to add every year before the season, add some pieces and hope that it works, hope that the pieces, you know, pay off. So, but we'll see what happens with them. I mean, you could maybe see them deal a couple relievers or like a Mike Miner or something, but there's not going to be much for, for a lot of value from them. Um, and like I say, we just don't expect them to see them trade like a Whit Merrifield or something that, that might have a value. I mean, it's just unlikely to, to me at least. Um, but the, the, the big, the big group of teams that we were going to talk about, this will probably be our, our more, um, at this point in the, in the, in the trade season or, or in the pre-trade season, um, this would be our more kind of these teams, these are five teams that are on the borderline. We don't know what they're going to do. They could, they could buy, they could sell, um, you know, and I think the next three weeks, you know, going into the all-star break, it's going to determine a lot of what what they do these are teams that are either in really good divisions that that but but have good records that are several games back but but have you know maybe above 500 right at 500 or teams that are um struggling below 500 don't have very good records but are in divisions that are still winnable so uh the first team we were talking we want to talk about here is the mariners yeah the seattle mariners they're not a team that i i would ex- really expect to to try and buy because they're they're still in the middle of their rebuild. They've just had some really good success so far. Um, if they go on a really big hot streak this next couple of weeks, they could. They're a team I more look to to more the sell side. I mean, you got Kendall Graveman, you got a couple other relievers that have been really good. Um, they could also deal like Mitch Haniger and Kyle Seeger. Um, and and those guys, I mean, those guys will have value to a bunch of teams because um, they're veterans. They're still really good. Seeger's had a little bit of a down year, you know, batting average wise and stuff, but still is hit for power. Um, but 
Seattle, they're 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 on that fence, like you said, and it, they've really over overachieved this year for what I really thought they were going to do. But I just don't think they're quite at that market, even if they have a, a you know really good next couple of weeks. That they're going to be a team that wants to go out there and sacrifice some of their you know prospect capital to to kind of do a win now move. Yeah, I, I I do agree with that on the Mariners. I think that out of these five teams, I think they're the most likely one to sell, um, or or maybe stand pat. Um, I think you you could make an argument with, with the A's being the other team up there with uh, along with the Astros. You could maybe make an argument that if you can catch, if you can get something to. You know, within five, four or five games of the Astros, you could you could maybe buy a couple pieces, maybe something like the Marlins did last year where you, you know, maybe buy a, you know, maybe buy something that's not a huge, huge buy, but don't trade a, you know, maybe trade a lower end major league player or something where you have some, something you have depth. I wouldn't trade any of my top prospects or anything, but maybe add a couple of, maybe add a back into the rotation starter and hope they have a, you know, really good second half or something like, like you were talking about earlier with Kyle Gibson, maybe something like that. Um, you know, if they win four or five, if they, you know, they went on a hot streak, won five, six games in a row, you know, you'd be sitting there looking at them at 44 and 36 and they'd be right square in the middle of the, both the wild card race and the, um, and the uh, and the division if they, if if they did something like that, so a team above five hundred, it's hard to see them selling, um, and it's hard to you know they, they it's hard to see this team buying and being in their rebuild and uh, if but if they do sell, they could they could really get a lot of prospects, especially for Hanniger, who's had a, a pretty good comeback year. Um, that would be a, a guy that could probably get a lot for. But uh, the second team here, which this might be the most interesting one out, out of all these, is the Angels because they're going to get one huge addition, uh, you know, sometime, and Mike Trout coming back. Uh, but they've got they've somehow fought their way back up to 500 after falling pretty good, pretty good bit below. Um, and uh, you know, see, they're sitting here kind of thinking, dreaming, if, if we get Mike Trout back and we keep playing like we are right now, but but with Mike Trout. You know, we might be able to catch these teams up front. So it's uh, what do you think the Angels might do? Yeah, I think the Angels, even though they're lower than the Mariners in the division standings, albeit by a game, I think the Angels are a team more likely to buy. Um, like you said, they're going to get Mike Trout back. Shohei has been ridiculous. We'll talk about him a little bit um, more in a, in a little bit. Rendon's kind of started to play better or, you know, actually been able to play. He missed a good chunk of the time. Um, another guy that they, they might add, I mean, it, it's an in-organization deal, but Joe Adele might get the call to come back up as well. So that could be another piece that they add, you know, from inside the organization that they don't really have to trade anything for. And Joe Adele's one of their, you know, he's their highest ranked prospect, but he's one of the top prospects in baseball as well. So that could, you know, help them out really with the angels. It's all going to come down to what their pitching can do. Can they add maybe another bullpen arm to, to strengthen that? And can they add a starter that's going to actually be effective? You know, they took the leap this year with Jose Quintana and Alex Cobb. They haven't been great. Dylan Bundy's really, you know, fell back from what wow. he did last year. He's had like a six ERA this year. Um, but with the Angels, really, it's, I mean, they've been playing better. To me, they could add, but if their guys just play better, if if they can get Bundy to, to be, you know, half of what he has been or you know a little bit better than what he has been so far and 
get Cobb to I mean, Alex Cobb, he's actually had a decent season for Alex Cobb. But if you can get Katana to, you know, be more what Katana has been rather than what he's been this year and get Mike Trout back, maybe get Joe Adele back. I mean, this team is the team can still be really, really good. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think with the Angels, I think this is like I say, this is a team that is more likely to buy than the Mariners. But, um, man, it's tough because, you know, the Astros are so far out there. They, they got to make up eight games. And, you know, I feel like that with the Angels talent level and you look at the A's talent level, you know, you can see the A's getting cold for a while. But I don't know if the Astros are going to get cold enough for the A's, Angels to catch up eight games unless the Angels are just scorching hot the second half of the season. So I think it's interesting. This is this is going to be an interesting one. And if the Angels do decide to sell, you know, they've got some pieces they could sell. Quintana, Iglesias, Bundy, Ciszek. Um, you know, they got a couple other relievers. I don't think they'd sell anybody that's locked up past this year, uh, especially with the amount of money they have coming open with, with the Pujols contract expiring that they're still paying. Uh, although he's not on the, on the angels anymore. Um, you know, I think that you look at a team that, um, you know, maybe they could trade away like an Upton, but pay his contract way down or something too. I still don't think you'd get much for him, but maybe you could get a team to take on a, a small amount because Upton has actually played pretty well this year, especially recently. Um, but um, it'll be interesting to see what, what they do. And hopefully uh, it'll be one of the more, you know, I think the next two weeks really, really are a huge deal for the Angels. Uh, maybe more so than any of the other teams here. But um, the next team we want to look at here um, is a team who last time we had a full season won the World Series, but they're old. So, uh, and they've struggled. And that's the Washington Nationals. And boy, do they have the list of people who they could sell if they wanted to. Yeah, I mean, right at the top of that list, you have Max Scherzer. Um, Cy Young Award winner, one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's at the end of his career. The, the hard part about trading Max Scherzer is he has 10-5 rights. So if you don't know what that means, it's a player who has 10 years of service time and five years with one team basically gets a full no-trade clause. So they can say, yes, I want to go here. No, I don't want to go here. So Scherzer really has the power to you know, make a trade for wherever he wants to go. Um, so that's going to be a hard part for the Nationals if 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 they do decide to to sell working around that because there's gonna be a plenty of teams that want max scherzer i mean he's still really really good and really really effective um you know they can sell off brad hand they could sell off daniel hudson two really good relievers in the career hudson closed out that world series win for the nationals in 2019 brad hand we talked about him you know in the offseason he's still really good i think he's had a, a little rough stretch to start the year but a lefty reliever is always going to be somebody who's coveted, you know, at, at the trade deadline, especially one who has prior history of being really good. Um, Jan Gomes is another guy they could sell off. Veteran catcher. Teams are always looking for veteran backup catchers coming down the stretch. Starling Castro is another guy who can play, you know, second. He plays some short, plays third, um, and can just kind of be that bench bat utility guy. They have a ton of pieces, and I, I, to me, I mean, I don't think that they're going to be in a position to, to try and and make one last run at it. They'd be better off trying to retool and, and just say, okay, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, you know, Steven Strasburg, let's just regroup next year and, and try again then. Yeah, I think this is, is this is a situation where you're looking at a team that's a pretty clear number four in in their division, so. 
although they're really not that far back. They're only five games behind the Mets right now, who the Mets are losing in the ninth inning, so they, they could come to you know four four games back if, if that score holds. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to say because you're close, but, but obviously you've got three teams in front of you that were that are, you know, at least talent-wise talent supposed to be really good in the Mets, Braves, and Phillies. So it's going to be really tough to overtake all those teams. So even though you're close, you're still, you know, you're still behind those other three teams or at least behind or tied. With the, I think they're tied with the Braves. But, um, you know, I think Scherzer, being the competitor he is, I think that he would like to be traded to a, um, you know, if, if the Nationals are out of contention. I think he would like to play for a contender. It's late in his career. I think he would probably waive his no trade, um, you know, to go to a contender. Uh, you look at some of these other guys. Um, you know, Schwarber's a guy who's who's had some a couple of really good hot streaks lately that teams might really his value might be up right now compared to what it could be at, at other times in the season. I do think Schwarber has an option for next year, so he might be a guy that that they bring back uh, for next year, uh, but. You know, he could also he could also trade him and then, you know, have somewhere else he get an option and, you know, get that option picked up and and uh, look good there. So uh, you got, um you know, and those other guys like Castro Gomes is a guy who could probably be a good platoon option at catcher Castro. Like you said, utility infielder. I, I don't really think they have too many other great moves. Josh Harrison's a guy who's played all right this year at times. Um, but we'll see what happens with them. Um you know, I I think they're a team that needs to needs to win some games here soon to, to get into that level of, of maybe buying. But I, I'd really, you know, they've got a lot of holes. They've got a few. They've got probably four elite players and then nothing else. And that's kind of the thing. That's the problem with the Nationals. Um, but we look at uh, the next team on the list uh, is a team that. Uh, it's kind of similar situation to the Nationals. They're number four in the division right now, or tied for tied for third. But and they're a few games back. But there's also three teams that are probably as good or better than them in the division, and that's the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, and the Reds have they they're on that borderline, like you said. But the the pieces are more unclear with the Reds of what they would actually be able to trade. Um, Nick Castellanos is a is a guy that you would think of just jumps right off the page because he has a player option for the end of this year, but the problem with that one is is the CBA talks are coming up this year and the off is going to be really really uncertain. And Nick Castellanos, has, if he does pick up that option, he has two more years. So as the Reds, there's no guarantee that he will pick up that option. So a team is going to basically be trading for you know, half a year rental of Nick Castellanos when they might actually get him for three years when the Reds are probably going to want to say that you have, he has three years on this, but the way he's playing, there's a very real possibility that he doesn't pick that up because he's only owed $16 million a year. He might be able to get out there and get a bigger deal, but also with the off season going to be, you know, the CBA talks and, and that he might be hesitant and, and to pick that up. Yeah. Got a guy, oh, good. You know, I was going to say with, with him, you have a guy who, the, he's gonna. You're, I think you're gonna get a, a payment for him uh, as if he's a rental because you're either gonna get a guy who's gonna be gone at the end of the year or a guy who plays like crap the rest of the year and you're stuck with his contract for two years. So yeah. you know it's kind of a similar situation to, to what to the Nolan Arenado situation where he had that player option. You have a guy who, you know, he's either gonna be really good this year and opt out or you're stuck with an enormous contract for seven or eight years. 
that you know maybe is a, an overpay for him if he if he isn't playing well. So it, it would be a it, it would be a fairly risky move for someone to give up a lot for him. Uh, you know, but but for the Reds to keep him, I mean, if he has a bad second half, you don't make the postseason, then you're stuck with this contract. So you could see you could see both scenarios here. Um, with him, a couple other guys. Doolittle hasn't been very good this year, but he's a guy that could definitely get moved. Wade Miley's been good this year; he could get moved. I said maybe a Sunny Gray is a guy who who they could who the Reds could move. Um, you know, he's been good this year as usual. He's he's battled injuries, but uh, he's a, he's a really solid, really solid player, um, really good pitcher. Got a couple years left on his deal, but. Um, you know, it's one of those things where the, it feels like for, for the Reds, you know, you, you got to do something. You don't want to get stuck in purgatory. And, and Suarez is another guy, too. That, you know, I just kind of put down the, a, a surprise, you know, some kind of surprise. One of those guys that has some control, you know, they did it with Bauer. Uh, I mean, uh, not with Bauer. Uh, well, maybe it was. They, they it traded was away. Yeah, they well they bought Bauer who had control, but mm-hmm. and that's something else you could see. You could see the Reds if they're still around 500, just a three or four games out. You could see them buy a player that's got a year and a half left or something, where kind of like they did with Bauer, but um, the, it, what the Indians did with Bauer really. I mean, but it's I think it's gonna be very interesting to see what what the Reds do. Um, like I say, I think they're a team that I think they probably are gonna hover around 500. And be in that four to five games back when we get to the trade deadline. I don't, you know, I, I don't think any team's going to really jump away in this division anytime soon. It's kind of a jumbled mess there. Uh, so I'd be surprised if um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them. Um, I, I would be surprised if you see them go either way. But the final team on our list, um, and it pains me to be in the situation to say this right now. Um, is, is the Braves. They have had a tumultuous season. I mean, they've had just a little bit of every, everything that has could go wrong has gone wrong, but they are still sitting there at 34 and 37. They're, they're beating the Mets right now. So the, if they win tonight, they will be four games out of first place. Um, and, you know, this is a team that obviously with the pedigree that they have and, and the fact that, you know, they've been, division champions last three years they went to the nlcs and to game seven last year you know you would think they'd be the more like a more likely team to buy because because of that but you know they are sitting at 34 and 37 so you know if they have a they have nine five of their next five of their next nine games i believe it was are against the mets so if they lose you know four out of those five or something then you know you could see them being eight nine games back by the time we get to the trade deadline, in which case I think it would be dumb to not sell. So, um, you know, if they do sell, they've got guys. they got Charlie Morton, who has pitched very, very, very well lately. Um, but he's, he's also pitched, um, you know, he's pitched pretty decently all year. But lately he's been on fire. A couple, you know, a couple other starters, like, like Drew Smiley, who you maybe could get something, you know, get something out of him, um, you know team might take a chance on him he's had some good outings he almost threw a no hitter in the seven inning game on sunday sunday night baseball a couple other guys like like guillermo heredia or abraham almonte who have had good years so far could be a bench player for somebody if 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 they went that way and you know you, you hate to say it but they have the reigning mvp that's deal expires at the end of the year so if you sell you know i don't think they would move freeman because they're going to try to re-sign him but you never know. I mean, if you don't think he's going to re-sign, then you, 
could move him to a contender and get a haul for him, even though he's a rental, because he's one of the best players in baseball. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but you just, you just never know. So, um, I do think the Braves probably end up in position to where they buy or at least stand pat at the deadline. Um, you know, they could definitely be one of the teams that just buys some good bullpen arms and, you know, to, to, to deepen their bullpen and rides with what they got elsewhere. Uh, so they don't spend a ton, but they, you know, they have some improvements to the, the biggest weakness of their team. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. They've lost a lot of one-run games this year. So, you know, I don't think it'll take too much for them to go on a hot streak at some point. Yeah, well, they're at, if they do sell, they should just turn around and sell Ronald Acuna Jr. too. That is the dumbest thing I've ever <laughs> said on this show. So, uh, I just had to get a rise out of you. Yeah. But no, uh, yeah, I have a hard time thinking that the Braves are going to sell, you know, especially, I mean, you looked at this team last year, went to the NLCS, pushed the Dodgers right to the brink of it. They're, they've just had some really bad luck with, with that bullpen this year, dealing with some injuries dealing with losing one of your better hitters and Marcelo Zuna to his issues. Um, Freeman, not, you know, not playing up to the Freeman level to start with. Darno has been out for a long time. Yeah. Albies underperformed to start the season. He's really came back now yeah, he's, dealing he's... with Pache being out. I mean, Austin Riley's looked really good. Max Freed's dealt with injuries though. I mean, th- it's just a, a team that's dealt with a lot of injuries and, if they get healthy, we know that they're a team that can easily make a run to the World Series. And if they can, they might be a team to look at buying a, you know, one of the bigger bats on the market at the deadline and, you know, playing it out there and then figuring out what's going to happen with the Ozuna scenario because it doesn't look like he'll be playing again this season at least. Yeah. Um, so they could get that bat to kind of fill into the outfield. But you also have the, the you know, the luxury of, hey, maybe you, don't you don't find that outfield bat but you can trade for i don't know maybe uh eugenio suarez and put him at third base and put riley to the outfield or you make the move for jose ramirez which has been talked about a lot um but who knows because of the contract scenario so the braves are just even if they're so far back i just have a hard time thinking that this is a team that's going to sell off because they could they could make a run at any time they're that good and, you know, especially with the Giants, we still expect them to come back to the pack some. Even if you don't jump up to this to the win the division against the Mets, they're still a team that could make a run for a wild card spot. Yeah, you know, I like and like I say, I think that is the more likely scenario is that they buy. But, you know, if they if they did lose several games here in the next couple of weeks, you could see this as being a team that sells. But but buying wise, I think the first thing you got to do is, and this this might be one of the things we talked about earlier. You know, maybe maybe the Braves and, and the Reds are another one that maybe with, with with their position in the division, maybe you buy early. You know, go go, go buy a couple of relievers. The Braves need relievers in the worst way. Their bullpen has been atrocious this year. Um, so you go pick up a, a couple right-handed relievers, you know, early and see if that can kickstart a little bit of a, you know, two, three, four week or two, two or three week run where you win, you know, you win six, 70% of your games and you get to a position where, okay, now we're at the deadline and we're tied for the division lead. And now we're going to go buy something big. You know, I, I think that's a scenario that you could see from, for both the Braves and the Reds here as they're definitely within striking distance of just going on a little hot streak is going to put you in position to maybe get a, um, 
to maybe get a uh, maybe to get in that position of, of it's time to buy. So interesting stuff. Um, I definitely um, think that it's going to be for those five teams, maybe a couple more, maybe a team like the Phillies or I mean, there's a few other teams that are kind of on that borderline of are they going to buy Sam Pat sell that, you know, if they go really hot or really cold over the next couple weeks, it could flip the other way. Um, but I think it's very interesting to see what, you know, with these, with these five, what, what happens over the next two weeks. We'll be watching them very closely. Absolutely. But, but um, our last thing today, um, you know, that we're going to do is, uh, as we always do, it's going to be our players of the week. So uh, I'll let you start off today, Damien. And uh, who is your pitcher this week? My pitcher for this week is uh, Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds. Um, he's really struggled this season in general. I mean, he's got a, a 5.61 ERA, a 4.25 on the season, but he had a really good week. Um, you know, 13 innings pitched, nine hits, two earned runs, 14 strikeouts. The walks were still there. You know, six walks and 13 innings is not great, but you know, a 1.38 ERA this week, a 2.45, a 3.21 xFIP. Um, you know, half a half a wins above replacement this week. It's really good to see Luis Castillo kind of have maybe a bounce back week. Maybe this is the jump start to him turning around his season because he has been really bad, but he is he's a very, very good, you know, number two, maybe number three pitcher when he's on. And he just hasn't shown that this week or this year so far. Yeah, and, and that's it's been an unfortunate for season for him. You know, I haven't watched him too many times. I think he's actually going to pitch against Atlanta this weekend, so I'll probably get a chance to see him then. But um, from what I understand, his changeup has not been near as good as it has been in the past, which, you know, that's been one of the best pitches in baseball, uh, Luis Castillo's changeup in the past. And it's just been – he's been really struggling with it this year so far is, is what the report is. Yeah, he's not getting the – he pitched against the Dodgers earlier in the year. He's not getting the swings and the miss on that changeup. It's – it's that, that's been his main thing is he – pairs it with that fastball so it looks like yeah. a strike and you get the swings and misses and he just really hasn't been getting that and people yeah. have been you know been those have been balls and then he gets frustrated and tries to overthrow the fastball and yeah. then he gets rocked with that or you know he loses yeah. command of it yeah no doubt but uh but my pitcher of the week this week um i'm actually gonna go i you know as we talked about i we i usually go on a two start guy but this week i decided to go on a one start guy uh, and the guy that I'm going to go with is Pablo Lopez. Um, I, I, honestly, I had a hard time picking between Pablo Lopez and his teammate, Sandy Alcantara. They both had really good outings this week, and I didn't especially love any of the two-start guys this week. But um, Pablo Lopez pitched seven shutout innings the other day. I believe it was against the Cubs, who are a great offensive team. Nine strikeouts, no walks. Um, you know, he's a guy who just... He's, I think you feel like feel like he's very underappreciated. I think he's a he's a, feel like he's a really good pitcher. Um, you know, he's done a good job for the Marlins. You know, uh, this year yet again a, a 2.86 ERA and a 3.27 FIP. Um, you know, nine strikeouts per nine, two walks per nine. He's just going right along as a very very good pitcher. He's, he pitches like probably a high end number two is what he's is at this stage. And you pair him with the with the other guys that the Mar- Marlins have. They have a dangerous rotation. So um, Pablo Lopez, I just wanted to give him a little bit of love. Um, he's, he's having, he's having a, another tremendous year and had a great start this week. Yeah, Pablo Lopez is – he's been one of the guys who I've you know kind of watched under the radar for the last couple of years. And like you said, he's been really, really good. And 
when Alcantara, you know, is on his game, you, you mentioned that you, you wanted to pick him almost. He was at an eight and a third shutout against the Pirates. Um, very fantastic start. And when they get Sixto back, that top three can go with basically any top three. I mean, the, you got Trevor Rogers too. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. even Rogers. I mean, that could be a top you got four. four. I mean, you got four really good. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting about Trevor Rogers, but he's—I mean, he has like what a one eight something one eighty seven ERA right now That's and ridiculous. a two fifty FIP. So it's not like—I mean, obviously he hasn't been pitched like a one eighty seven ERA pitcher so far, right. but I mean he's got a two fifty FIP, which he means he's still pitched like an elite pitcher. So yeah, really good, good stuff for years them. Long. Um, well, let's just transition to our hitters of the week, and who do you got for your hitter of the week? Well, my hitter's also a pitcher, but um, I'm focusing on the hitter hitterness of him today, and that's uh, Shohei Otani, of course. Um, he uh, he has been on a tear the last seven days, hitting home runs. Um, he has hit six of them this week. Um, he's hit 318 with a 423 on base, so he's walked a lot too, which is which is good for him. And uh, 1.136 slugging percentage. That's a 296 WRC plus. Um, the thing that I find the craziest about this is he's a 111 BABIP, which is yeah. like completely unsustainably bad. But so he really should have had a better week than he's had based on, you know, he's just had some bad luck too. But he's still been insane, um, you know, hitting the ball, just, you know, out on the season as a hitter, he's got 2.7, um, he's got a, he's got a 2.7 war. And that was before tonight in which he's 0 for 1 with a walk so far. So uh, very good stuff for him. Um, you know, you look at his uh, pitching-wise, you know, he's like, – like we've talked about, he walks too many guys. He still does. But, you know, he's also still pitched well, you know, to a 270 ERA but a mid-threes fit, which is still pretty good. His walks have actually come down a good bit compared to where they were at the start of the year. But he also had a, he had a good start this week pitching – um, so, uh, I believe he pitched maybe five shutout innings or something. So I think it was like six and a third, six, actually. six and a third. Yeah. So he, he's, he's a guy who, and he's figuring it out on the, on the command on the mound too. So if he's a guy, if he can stay healthy, um, man, he's, he's so fun to watch. He's, he's entertaining. Yeah. He's a great player. Um, and you love to see him succeed at the level he succeeded at. It's, it's fantastic for the game to have a guy as, you know, as remarkable as Shohei Otani and in, in what he does. You, it's, he's a guy that you wake up and, you know, you haven't seen anything like him in uh, over a hundred years. So. Yeah. And, and some of the home runs he's hitting is just ridiculous. Oh, I think yeah. he hit one at like an 18 degree launch angle the other day, which is just insane. But speaking of Shohei Otani and hitting home runs um, this week, Shohei Otani announced that he will be participating in the home run derby during all-star weekend. So that's going to be something really fun to watch to see Shohei Otani hitting absolute t- n- nukes in Coors Field. Yeah, like that's so going to be really fun to watch. That'll be that'll be great. I'm, I'm excited for Shohei to see what he can do. But um, who was your uh, who was your hitter this week? I went with somebody really under the radar name that we we haven't really hit on outside of probably when he was traded last year. But that's Ty France of the Seattle Mariners. Um, this week he had a 500 average, a 542 on base, a 1.100 slugging percentage for a 324 WRC plus, um, you know, eight, 8.3 walk percentage this week, 12 and a half strikeout percentage. He had six, uh, RBIs, six runs scored, three homers, 
Um, just one of those under the radar type pieces that he plays all over the field um, for the Mariners. And, you know, the Mariners don't get a, a lot of publicity because of how bad they have been for the past couple of years. But Ty France, uh, you know, a pretty solid player and he had a, a really good week for them. So somebody I wanted to, to kind of highlight and give the Mariners something to talk about. Yeah, I, I like I like what Ty France has done. He's been one of those pieces we've talked about the Mariners having some young pieces step up and be, make them a little bit of a surprise. He's been one of them. 1.7 wins above replacement on the season. Uh, you know, for a guy who, um, you know, you weren't expecting that from. You expecting him hopefully to take a step, but he's been really good. So, absolutely. All right. Well, um, I guess that'll wrap up the show this week. Um, so we'll. Uh, we are very excited to uh, see what happens with these buyers and sellers and teams that, you know, definitely, definitely excited to watch the teams that need to need to work that we, we need to see, need to see some improvement from or, or, or some, uh, you know, that could go either way. It's a big few weeks for, for several teams out there right now. And uh, it'll be very entertaining to watch them. And uh, also very excited to see Wander Franco with more than just one game under his belt. Cause I think he's going to be a, he might be one of those guys who just immediately jumps in as a superstar. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Yeah. He's going to probably be somebody that's going to be our players of the week within the next couple of weeks. I, I have a feeling of some, <laughs> well, sort, hey, but hey, he started off pretty good to be at uh, next week. So. Exactly. But like, like you said, this is, this is kind of the, the kickoff to, to the, you know, hot stove season. You're going to hear us talk a lot about trades, trade deadline moves. Um, this is when injuries are going to be even more of a deal because people who are getting injured, teams are going to want to make a move to help fill that position. They're going to start looking at that and kind of setting themselves up for who's going to be the playoff run, who's going to reset, come back in the offseason. So this is just kind of the, the start, the beginning of a lot of trade talk um, over the next month on this on this podcast. So get ready for that. Oh, yeah. So that'll wrap up today's show. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Bat Flip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.